Released in 2018 and starring Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, and the now-problematic Army Hammer, the directorial debut from Boots Riley takes you on an emotional and wild journey with probably the most insane third act I have ever witnessed. With a fresh take on corporate greed and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%, today on You've Never Seen It, we're talking Sorry to Bother You. Welcome to You've Never Seen It, an audio podcast where I, your host, Allison Salamoni, am on a journey to never have to hear these four words again. I am joined this week by my good friend, AJ Lancaster. You can find him weekly over on What The Show, hosting with a bunch of fantastic human beings, and he is himself an absolute gem. What's going on, AJ? Um, not too much. I I, I want to say that's probably the the most delightful intro that I've ever gotten on any form <laughs> program ever. And uh, nice earrings. Oh, thanks. Always. Yeah. We try. We try. <laughs> um, we are nothing if not professional around here. With uh, you've never seen it, but uh, we're really not because some of the shit that I'm gonna be watching is <laughs> probably out of this world, including this one. This movie, when I told my husband I was going to be watching this movie and talking about it, he goes, the first words out of his mouth were, that movie's weird as shit. And I'm like, okay. And then <laughs> I watch it and the, my first words out of my mouth, own mouth was, well, that was weird as shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the, I think we're on the highest quality uh surrealist films to get mainstream attention probably in the past 20 years or so um it's definitely out there it's, it gets really crazy um but it's it all it's all for a purpose and i think we're going to dive more into that as we go along but uh i yeah. i love weird movies you know uh stuff like this and john dies at the end i'm somewhat another movie you 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 suggested i watch and the first thing i said was yep that's an aj movie how how does i before i've been kind of getting into it and everything how does it feel to know that there is a subset of of people a good chunk of people that know for sure can watch something and go hey aj i just watched the most aj movie of all time you should go watch it it, it's delightful. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Uh, when people can find, you know, certain things like uh, The Wave, which is another one that's it's literally an, an LSD uh, parable movie written by these two guys <laughs> that uh, somebody in the movie review space went to Burning Man with and it has Justin Long and Don Faison. They're like, AJ, go watch this movie. I know the people who need it. And I was like, absolutely. I I love that stuff. I when something can abstract our own realities to to kind of paint a picture of the world that we're living in and they do that through film I mean yeah it's amazing no for sure um so with the movie that we're covering today um my kind of first question is what is it about this movie that you love so much that you had to talk about it with me because you were flabbergasted that I had not seen it I mean, it's one of those movies that when somebody mentions I haven't seen Sorry to Bother You, it's it's usually a, hey, go watch it and then tell me what you think kind of movie. Um, it's it's such a, a workplace commentary. It's uh, a insanely deep racial commentary. Um, it, it, it speaks volumes to uh, the injustices that it's trying mm-hmm. to expose uh, through this insane surrealist medium so it's 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 right right there with uh just i, I think of it as a smarter idiocracy i could see that yeah no i could that i could definitely sense. see that um without the eugenics part <laughs> or like the eugenics part of, of of idiocracy is kind of bad for that message but this kind of still has a eugenics message but it's like you no know, says that's right. bad so that, I think that's the main 
like fundamental difference between the realities of sorry to bother you and uh and of uh idiocracy i i think this those movies is kind of diametrically opposed to that yeah and uh, you mentioned you know talking about like the the workplace issues that it brings up but also the cultural and the racial issues that whole third act where they're at steve lift's house mm-hmm. and they're like telling him to rap which now really does not hold up well considering who the whole third act does not hold up very well considering what Army Hammer has, has been through. The fact that Army Hammer is a terrible human being makes it actually work better for me. It's like if you if you watch the Super Mario Brothers movie and instead of like Dennis Hopper who is his uh King Koopa in that movie, if they actually had Donald Trump, then that movie would be a stunning okay. commentary. Um but the Super Mario Brothers movie, that's a whole other <laughs> We can go down the rabbit hole down the road on that one for sure. On, uh, when we go into <laughs> surrealist fiction. Um, but there's uh, there's so much in this movie that I love, though. The, the love story with Lakeith mm-hmm. Stanfield and Tessa Thompson is beautiful at the start and becomes tragic. And uh, it's a movie with so many amazing performances. And it's, for it's, us... It's like as shallow as of a character like Keith Stanfield is where he's just all he's saying is he's trying to make money and he's trying to climb that ladder and he's trying like that's all he's thinking of is all these surface stuff. And but you still have with Tessa Thompson that you see her battling because she's loving the lifestyle that he's he's getting at this point. But like she's also the starving artist and gets all she she even tells she's like if you're going to keep doing this like I can't do it anymore like you're saying you're you're with your boys and you're with your friends, but really you're not by continuing to go and doing what you're doing every day. And she finally, you know, puts the lays the hammer down on him for it. But and he's just like, well, but like, look at what we have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like how you see. She she gets that comfort of luxury, but mm-hmm. like my my favorite my favorite scene artistically in the in the entire movie is when they when the garage expands into their deluxe high rise apartment mm-hmm. and they go from sleeping face to face to apart and the they don't when they when they start fighting over the covers and that's the end of their relationship. It's just. Mm-hmm. It's relatably heartbreaking. Uh, there's there's some good stuff in the feels there. Uh, yeah. To like, and so there's like there's the broad themes, but it's it's also a very personal film. It's something that mm-hmm. I mean, there's, and we'll, we'll get into say the racial context of this movie, which um, this is an audio podcast. But if you if you can't tell. Um, I'm not the most qualified person to talk on racial issues. Um, <laughs> We're two white people talking about. Uh, we have two white you. people talking about this movie, which is so ironic. It you... really you couldn't have found anybody else, Allison. This, this looks bad on both of us. This is this is um, what you chose. This one, I just it, gave you the list. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we're here to defend Army Hammer's character. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, folks. JK, Army Hammer is the devil. Steve Lift had some good ideas. <laughs> Worry free is exactly what we should be trying well, to achieve. It's kind of cool how this movie shows kind of an evolution of the bad guy CEO. Mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of alluded to. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, it was always a Trump-style figure. Like, there were many 80s and 90s corporate villains who were based off of, and they said, you know, stuff like, um, what's-his-face from Back to the Future based on Trump. Um, there's there's a lot of that. Now, it seems like the new CEO, what's mm-hmm. the evil bad guy, it's, it's something that has an Elon Musk feel to it what you get in this yeah you're starting to see in a lot of other it's it's kind of interesting to see that shift in media Mm -hmm. um with with the steve lift character um and and many others that we're we're starting to see now more in that 
that corporate bad guy. And it's funny too, like with the again, you're talking about the corporate bad guy. Like I just recently watched the other guys, and you have the corporate bad guy in that one, but he's more of like the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme because mm. that's what was big around the time that that movie came out, and not that far separated from it is now we're like you said we're seeing that new brand of CEO terror <laughs> in the yeah. corporate in the Elon Musk's and and all of that, and that's what Steve Lift kind of embodies. Um, how often do you find yourself recommending this movie to other people? Um, it's it's usually one of the first few when people try to get into surrealist film that I'll I'll mention. I'll put this in there with say the Southland Tales or you know we mentioned John dies at the end. It's it's something that if it's pertinent to a conversation, um, I'll, I'll definitely bring it up. I don't recommend a lot of people movies out there. I'm not making listicles or anything, but uh, it's if I don't think that somebody's just gonna think, "Wow, this is that was some weird shit." Turn it off and never think about it again. That's usually where I'll say, "Hey, go watch this." I love that. And speaking of like surrealist films and your taste in films and everything, when would you say like you yourself got into? getting away from like the casual movie watcher and finding the genre and then, and what you enjoy deep diving into and, and why. So uh, I mentioned briefly the Southland Tales. I saw that movie for the first time in 2009 It's released in 2006. Uh, it's from the creator of Donnie Darko. Uh, and it had like, I saw it in a friend's like DVD case and it had like the rock and Sean William Scott and Justin Timberlake. And it's like, what is this? Like, Oh, that movie's shit. Like, okay. Well, <laughs> can I borrow it? And I, I watched it, returned it to him the next week. And I said, that is the most masturbatory, literally terribly self-indulgent piece of shit that I've ever seen in my entire life. And then I asked him to borrow it again. I love week. that. And I, I, I find myself studying the the layers and kind of picking apart the crazy performance choices and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's another one where the South and Tales is something that I'll interject into any random conversations because um, it's definitely not your standard Dwayne the Rock Johnson affair. No, when I think of the Rock, I think of the Scorpion King, and <laughs> <laughs> be and, sure uh... to tell them. I should tell him that. What a grand role for you, sir. <laughs> the best uh-huh. role, the best rock movie, Scorpion King. At me. At me, bro. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, the best rock uh, uh, performance to me is probably the other guys as of right now. Nice. Probably a recency bias with that. With uh, <laughs> When he tells, when he and Samuel Jackson, they tell them, you know what we do now, brother? Aim for the bushes. Yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Oh yeah, just just leap off of the uh, the roof. That was great. Well, um, uh, back into back into this though. There's there's elements of this movie though that are things that exist in society that, like, if if somebody has questions on it's like there's scenes and sorry to bo- sorry to bother you that will if you don't know what code switching is, how mm-hmm. people of uh, other races feel like they need to. do the Caucasian versions of themselves this movie will beat you in the head with it like us as a uh, us with Jordan Peele it's a very subtle horror movie take on it this is just Mm -hmm. we are going to make Patton Oswalt's voice come out of uh, a guy with an eye patch his mouth his name is Mr. Beep Um, literally it's beeped out and we're going to give Lakeith Stanfield David Cross's voice (laughs) and we're going to just hammer you with it so maybe something breaks that you can see that this is an aspect that you actually see in today's society that's really fucked up and not only that is i think one what they they point out too with how at a certain point after he started reaching all of that success how he just slides into that voice without even trying or without even, and like it takes Tessa Thompson to be like, stop doing that. Like, no. don't do that. He's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like happens. the fact that he's, it becomes so ingrained because of what society and, and 
corporations and things are telling him that he has to do in order to be successful, that's really shitty. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something that, you know, I, I didn't really have awareness of growing up in Nebraska. Um, yeah. But, you know, as as we grow older, I think that a lot of our generations become more empathetic and that we've wanted to kind of understand and be better allies, which is a big part of who who I am is trying to be a better ally for, you know, social socioeconomic injustices, everything else going on in the world. But uh, that's that's another thing that's like, this is a cool movie to kind of be like that. Easy, I, I would never call it easy to digest, but easier than reading, you know, scholarly papers before you dive into that, you know? Right. No, for sure. And I think that I, I, I like when a movie makes you feel something like I, even if I, this isn't, wasn't my favorite film that I've ever watched, but the fact that I'm watching it and it's making me uncomfortable because of my own biases and like what I've been, what I've been able to experience in life and seeing, I think Boots Riley does a really good job of giving you a good surface level movie if you're just looking for a movie to watch without like deep diving into those emotional aspects like you mentioned where they're laying in bed and they go from facing each other as he gr- grows into from the garage to the to the high rise apartment and you see them slowly that you see that separation happen that's not something i picked up on right away but when you mentioned i'm like oh yeah so there are deeper things going on with it and i think he was so smart and how he did this, that you can sit and watch it just to watch it if you want to, or you can sit and dissect it and really look for all of those deeper meanings that he put into it. Yeah, there's 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 the stuff that's really surface level, like like the rap song, um, right? That you know, it's like okay, if you haven't got it yet, I'm just going to throw all these juicy little chunks at you Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that's the kind of stuff that i also look for just cover me in your chunks boots riley um just make it weird and get get to the point where we're bringing in you know spoilers horse people to say that this is what (laughs) we're doing to enslave the workforce um it's you know we i i love when you can give such heavy-handed metaphors, but do it stylistically in a way that makes sense to the plot as we've been given. That's, that's to me, peak surrealist film with message. 100%. Uh, yeah, the, the entire... The entire being forced to rap scene was probably the most uncomfortable I had been <laughs> watching a movie and then watching him just start dropping the n-word with it and then all the white people partying like saying it back to him and i'm just like but we are like that like we as (laughs) a race suck (laughs) can you imagine how many extras in that scene were going up to like the the dp just be like you sure i can I would be going up to like Heath being like, are you sure you're okay with me repeating you? Like, and the fact that like he had to wait for permission to turn off his white person voice from army hammer. Like it's, it's so it's that whole third act is so, and like that part of that third act specifically is so uncomfortable to watch. And it's so cringy for, for my perspective. And I'm like, Oh, because I know people, we all know people like this. And I think that is, mm-hmm. and he, he does it so where it's surreal, but also very realistic in how he, he portrays yeah. certain characters. Well, you know, I think that everybody, everybody, every adult has had a moment of feeling degraded at work. Mm-hmm. And that ties in, you know, a lot of what happens with the the white voice, a lot of what happens with uh, Army Harry Hammer army hammers character it makes it something that's oh wow so the degradation that happens on a racial scale is even more um that gives that little window to it uh, that's just insane to me 
Uh, and then, you know, when we go from, from that to the, the grander scale, which is the horse people, Jesus Christ, the, the, the Equusapiens. I, Allison. have you heard about oh these Equusapiens? Can I just say the first thing, the first thing I had, this? the first, the first thought I had was when he falls, when he opens door and he falls out, I'm like, that is a big penis. <laughs> I was not I went oh my god not that it was a horse person like that was fine because I'm like I knew this movie was going to be weird but when he falls out and you just see a giant horse dick laying there and then Army Hammer goes and makes the point to say and you'll have a giant horse dick like come on man like the fact that he's trying to also use that as a selling point I was like I've never seen so many giant fake penises in my life. Right. Um, if you if you've gotten to this far in the podcast, <laughs> twenty and, minutes uh, in, you I'm so seen sorry. Bobby, <laughs> you need to see some giant. I I almost guys. wish I was warned about giant horse dicks. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> like it should have been a disclaimer at the beginning of the Just film. A little <laughs> R rated for giant horse cocks. <laughs> It was, it was not what I expected, and I think that's kind of. It's almost like I thought Magnolia was weird for how that movie ended because it was one of those things where like I was in it, I was in it, and then the ending of Magnolia happened, and I'm like, I'm out of it. I was in it, I was in it, and then horse dick. <laughs> I'm like, okay, nice. this is this is how we're going. And then Army Hammer being mad because he was like, that's very clearly an olive door. There's so yeah. many. And olive and jade are very different <laughs> shades of green. I know. I'm like, I don't understand where he's yeah. coming from, but it, it just kind of shows his privilege. I don't know. I And I, now I'm also wondering what else do you have behind all those other doors, Army Hammer? I don't want to know, actually. I don't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, and you know when they go into after after he sees it and they they give the explanation to what the Equisapien is and he's like, "We'll give you a hundred million dollars and we can turn you back if you sign up to do this." And we need somebody. Oh, that was like king of this movement. Ta- another cringe moment. Like, I want you on the floor being the Martin Luther King of it, like letting us know what's happening. And this is and the fact that he's almost taking it because of the salary that he's being offered after being given the fake being given well, fake cocaine it, it it speaks to the the layers of that line are haunting mm-hmm. to me um for how the modern society treats martin luther king um how yeah. you'll see conservative pundits um conservative white pundits saying things like well you know quoting the i have a dream speech but won't be talking about cashing a check or equity or be talking about the actual things that <laughs> Martin Luther King stood for, how mm-hmm. they enshrined and turned him into a folk character when there are people who are alive who are the same age as Martin Luther King. Barbara Walters is the same age as Martin Luther King. Um, and they've twisted and folk hero the narrative to fit, fit their own control. So you already know when he drops that line that that's what they're planning to yeah. do. <laughs> uh, beyond the other things that being the Martin Luther King of a cause might be associated with um, with how things ended for Martin Luther King. Um, so when that, that that line was just like, oh, this is much more sinister than even than even turning him into this it's saying if you stand up for this we've already controlled the narrative and it's talking about how society has controlled the narrative for people who have stood up for things in civil rights um to to fit the purpose of the workforce that's dragging <laughs> it's um yeah, it's it that that to me is the most terrifying piece of this movie. Yeah. And hearing those those lines being said and then going and doing kind of a mini deep dive on Boots Riley and what he did prior to this and what he was known for prior to this and um 
which was literally fighting against mm-hmm. <laughs> corporate Dude, greed. He was, huge in he was in a band with Tom Morello. Like, yeah. you want to talk about f- fuck the damn the man and like fighting the man? Like, you don't get more fuck you than teaming up with than a Boots Riley Tom Morello team up. <laughs> you that know is... what I mean? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> like, and then for this to be his first director uh directorial debut his his first theatrical film and to have it have the reception that it did i think it's phenomenal um i believe he premiered it at sundance but then to i honestly thought when i was going to rotten tomatoes to get the score in my head just because of how i feel like the world works that rotten tomatoes would have shit on it and Mm -hmm. the audience score would have been higher and in fact, it was the opposite. The audience score is at the 70%. Meanwhile, the critic score is at 95. Yeah. It was, it, it, it's a film nerds movie for some reason. To me, that's that's where I always have my disconnect. Is is, is this a film nerd movie or is this uh, an audience movie? And mm-hmm. like, it's still not like 70% is a great score. Oh, it is for sure. But how many people do you think went into this movie going, hmm, okay, and then did what I did and went, oh, that's a horse stick. <laughs> I think there's a lot. There's there's a lot. Like, uh, this is one of those movies I'm actually kind of bummed I didn't go and see in theaters. And it was one I feel like was in and out pretty quickly. Like, I don't remember it being in for a long enough time that I was able to go and, and check it out. It just wasn't on my radar at the time. But now I kind of wish... Yeah, but now I kind of wish I did because I want to hear the audience pop. Like, I love an audience <laughs> pop, and I feel like it would have been really big when the giant Equisapien and his his horse wiener just showed up on. I'm still, and it's it's in my head now on a loop. Now that we brought it up, it's like literally the scene right now just is just playing in my head on a loop. Flops. It's just, yeah, yep, it's just, it's, it's on a loop right now. It's living rent-free so, <laughs> in my brain. So- did you know, like, the, the origins of how long the script had been around? The script was around since 2000, like, 15, no. 12. 2000, oh, wow. Okay. And early draft of the script um, in 2014 literally said the phrase, worry-free is here to make America great again. And they had to change it because things happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What? Well, the, uh, it, it was a it, oh sorry you didn't know yeah no no, it, no. It was, what it was this political slogan oh <laughs> yeah they had to change because that was coincidental okay yeah so they uh, yeah it, it's it's crazy like and like there was an album that was sorry to bother you from Boots Riley it serves almost as a uh, soundtrack to the movie mm-hmm. six years before it was conceived. Uh, and then he wrote it into a book and then he adapted the book. Okay. That's neat. Yeah. That's really cool. I did not know that. It's a long story with this movie. That's super cool to see like how it did really well. Independent Spirit Awards it won uh, best first, uh, best first directorial feature for him, which I think was totally deserved. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want. I know he has a TV show in the works too, or he had one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with the name of it, but I remember hearing. Um, I'm really excited for whatever he chooses to do artistically because it doesn't seem like there's ever going to be anything half-assed. No, and know? I love that. One of my favorite things is it's like, even though, like you take a Paul Thomas Anderson, I don't love his films. The only one that I've really can say I've I've enjoyed has been Boogie Nights, but I can appreciate him taking the time and not doing every single film that comes his way. Like he, what he does is he takes his time. He chooses very specifically what he wants to do. And he doesn't have a large, he doesn't have like a Michael Bay 10,000 films under his belt because he just likes, mm-hmm. he didn't do like 16 Transformers because he could, <laughs> you know, like he, he's sm- somewhat say smart with his choices. Again, I'm not a huge enough fan, but I at least appreciate the hustle in the sense that he's not just going to put out crap 
to put out crap. Yeah, he's very, very selective with his choice of products. Exactly. And I and... feel like someone like Boots Riley is going to continue to be selective with what he does. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I can't wait to see with all the elements that were in this what it would be that he would do next if it, it would it could be like an adam k style you know you know dramedy kind of biodramedy of somebody it could be a cronenberg movie it could be anywhere in between that something i can never imagine yeah um just from what we've seen oh absolutely so cool. absolutely and i love that we're doing this one so early on and having it be something that's done by a director that's so it's not necessarily I don't like saying that's like specific or niche, but I feel like it's a movie that everyone needs to see just for the sheer sense of it's so, <laughs> number one and just for the topic that it brings. Because mm-hmm. at, I feel like no matter what, this is a movie that other than Army Hammer himself um, will continue to age well because the corporate greed and those monster CEOs and things like that, they're always going to be there right now. And they're not going to stop until you get, you know, the Steven Yeun's to come and the Tessa Thompson's, you know, to, to bind together. That's Steven Yeun. He is a good He's actor. He's such a good actor. I was so He's... surprised. <laughs> oh, well, you know, that that's the thing. This was before Minari when he got his huge pop. Right. Like, it's, he's, he's so good in the supporting roles, but yeah. Yeah. That's just, oh, oh, by the way, I had not seen this movie in its entirety since the pandemic dropped. Really? I rewatched it for this. I love that. So, um, I, I rewatched clips, that kind uh-huh. of thing, but I never went out, like, I, I don't you know, rewatch a lot of movies from start to finish unless they're my comfort movies. I wouldn't call this movie. This is definitely not Um, a comfort movie. This is, this is very, to be honest, this is probably going to be very low on my rewatch list. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I I loved it. Right. And I did not do a rewatch since 2019. Uh, Now I've rewatched it three times in the last 48 (laughs) hours just because. Because you take assignments um, so seriously and I love you for it. (laughs) No, no. It's because this movie hits a lot harder post-pandemic. Yeah, Uh, I could see that. You have to remember when you watched this movie that came out in 2018. Yeah. And it was, there was not all the things that have happened with the world exploding. And (laughs) just kind of, not only just the world exploding, but. Like, the Steve lifts getting richer through the pandemic. Yeah. Like when the rest of the world is shut down, these were the kind of jobs that were people were doing the having to do from home. Like when we were talking about doing remote work and trying to make money and just survive while the Elon Musk's of the world and every were still profiting off of the world has gotten worse since this movie came like what's his face from amazon jeff bezos thanking his employees for sending him into space like this wouldn't be possible without all of your hard work the hard work you've been profiting on to get you to space what the fuck it's so yeah, it's like the world was still like things were not on the best in American history in 2018, but 2022 it hits. Different. It hits so different. It really does. That's I wouldn't even and how close 2018 it was a year later. That or just about a year and a half later from when this movie came out that everything just blew up. Yeah. And it, it it was the gasoline on the fire of the whole situation that, that, that this was common, commenting on um, from, I mean, this is, this is a movie that came out pre George Floyd. Yeah. That, um, and it's like the, the scene with, uh, with Danny Glover, which to pivot Danny Glover, that opening scene with the white voice is how. Oh, it's so funny. That is and it's brilliantly written. It is. And it saying, and, oh, and he just like, and the whole thing about him doing it is he's just doing it just to do it and just to have a job, right? He's not trying yeah. to become a super caller. Like, he's not whatever. And he's like, hey, man, if you just want to make a sale, 
got to use your white voice. Here, let me help you. Like, trying to just be like, hey, let me help you out here, man. Um, also, the Terry Crews of it and, like, <laughs> how aggressive <laughs> he is as, like, a team leader in all of it. And this is 2018 uh, <laughs> Terry <laughs> Crews as well. But I love that, like, the guy who demonstrates the voice is is Danny Glover, who has that smoking. The I smoke a pack of unfiltered Marlboros three a day. It goes into yeah. that, that voice that is cartoonish. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, you know, the one you use when you get pulled over by the cops. Like, the the, the commentary that exists here, and even with the Equisapiens and the riots and the workforce as it is, and there's so much that... It, it's hard for me to put this movie into words yeah. sometimes and the scenes it's it's so visceral well like even the the idea of worry free post pandemic mm-hmm. is you could you could see that being a thing that we 100% see like especially when you had i could see people during the pandemic going to something like that because they're laid off because they've been it, i mean where i live in orlando we thrive off of theme parks and tourism and they were shut mm-hmm. down for months my husband was out of work for months because of the shutdown and and the job that he had at the time and we were luckily able to get through it but there were people that weren't as lucky that if they had an option like a worry-free where they could take their family and go somewhere and do you know whatever the labor was and have it be when you get a meal like if you're desperate enough to do something you're going to do it. And watching an idea like that in a movie and realizing how real that could have been or how real that could be mm-hmm. if we keep going the way that we're going is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And it's how unnecessary yeah. it is. I mean, I just uh, I just got done out of re- uh, recording this Um the week after Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness came out, um, I just got done watching that movie a second time. There's a line where Mar- America Chavez says, yeah, free, food's free in this universe. It's, it's free of most. It's kind of weird that it isn't yours. Yeah. You know, like those little things that, oh. That you could. I, 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 I told you I was going to keep the anarcho-communism <laughs> to a minimum. Not when you're talking one. Boots Riley. I uh, think what's really funny, when I looked on Wikipedia, it has like, Musician, director, uh, uh, communist, something like it is. Hold on, let me. I gotta pull it up because it is the funniest. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. What they have him as is, as uh, uh, yeah, a uh, communist activist is what they have yeah. <laughs> as him, lead vocalist of the coup and street sweepers social club, which is the band that he did with Tom Morello. Um, but I love that like that's his, he he gets his uh, uh, film director, producer, screenwriter, rapper, and communist activist. I'm like, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. At least, at least it's, it's out, out there, and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And it, it's so funny too yeah. that like uh, I don't even think of it as <laughs> communist activism. I think of him as at least from watching Sorry to Bother You, it's like the world is shitty the way that we're running it. Like, look how shitty this world is that we're running. And we have the ability, if the Steve lifts... To seize the means yeah. of production. Allison, this is what we're here to talk about. We're, I'm going to get By flagged. The end of this podcast. NSA is, is listening, and I'm going to get flagged once this once this drops. I'm going to have the FBI, the CIA um, at my door. It's fine. We're good. <laughs> yeah, uh, and you know, since this is an audio-only podcast, I do have to mention that I do take off, take down the hammer and sickle for the yeah. live streams, most of them. <laughs> um, but uh, the the act, you know, the it's it's not even political anymore. The the, the comment commentary on you know workers' rights yeah. is happening, and that this really makes a thing of is is, is, it's a human rights Mm -hmm. situation and uh it's becoming more and more evident to a lot of people that workers rights are human rights so um it's kind of cool the seeing this once again in 2022 for the first time in a couple years how relevant that is to what we're seeing with say 
the Amazons of the world. And the, the importance for jobs like that with the idea of unionizing. And because mm-hmm. without that, they're, they're, how are you going to fight for fair wages and fair labor laws and not working yourself to death and dying on the Amazon floor or whatever the major corporation is. Cause that's another big part about it is they're, they're, un- they're, they're protesting to unionize as a telemarketers union. Yeah. And that's everything that explodes from there is just, is it magic? Giving the broader, <laughs> well, it gives, it gives the broader scale of, you know, kind of the, the, the workforce as a whole from, you know, <clears throat> the what people would consider the more physically intensive laborers to, you know, even something like telemarketing that sucks. Yeah. You know, anybody's ever had a phone, phone job, you, you know the, the trials and tribulations there, but like showing the, the full scope from literally turning people into horses. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. Insane. Um, when it comes to this movie, what would you say are we've kind of talked about a lot of moments, but what what specific scene or scenes would you say are your absolute favorite moments from this film? Um, so it's so much the the garage scene at the beginning of the movie versus the garage scene into the apartment is one of my favorite things artistically. Um, the Lily James white voice of Tessa Thompson with the last dragon quote where people are painting, painting, uh, throwing paint eggs and, uh, and bullets at her. That that's some good shit. Um, and then, I mean, the, the reveal of the, the Equisapien labor exploitation and like there, there's so much though but those, there's those gotta be the the big ones um shit when when he has to use only his white voice and the power color power color yeah floor. and the amount of white people on the and power crawler floor i think is important to point out where he a- and um omari uh hardwick are the only two black people on that floor yeah and in order to be there and to fit in and to do well, he has to act like all of the white people that are on that floor. Yo, D- uh, Diana Debo Cherry is one of my favorite movie names yeah. ever, by the way. <laughs> Isn't that debauchery? <laughs> no. That looks like debauchery. No. But how many so. people, and again, d- for that character, how many times do you go into an orientation in a new job and there's always like, we're going to do an icebreaker and let's do this. And it's like, she's the epitome of a super annoying team lead that you're just like, I just want to, I just want to work lady. Like, just leave me alone. Like you're, you're, you're bothering me. (laughs) I, I can't remember the name of the actress. But I would not be surprised if she has led focus groups in her like. Oh, probably. Like, like I had to do a double take because at first she kind of has that Catherine Holland kind of appeal to her. I can't remember her name. When does <clears throat> okay? Do we look at the holy text? I, I think we look at the holy I text. I do. Uh, she is uh, Diana Duba Deba Cherry. Is uh, her name is Kate Berlance. Um, okay, which is a it's a name that I she's a stand up comedian um, actress. So. She's done. I'm looking on her I, uh, IMDb. If there's anything that I would know, um, it's like she's done a few like episodes of a couple of different sitcoms and TV shows here and there. Oh, yeah. I Esmeralda mm-hmm. in a good place. I vaguely remember, um, but somebody that I'd love to see more of, and who's who kind of has some smaller credits that. Could have built up that Catherine Hahn kind oh, of yeah. momentum, but gave me that serious Catherine Hahn. And I energy. loved her for it, and, um, but I also was very annoyed yeah. by her for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it was just every single, everything in this movie just hits. Every performance hits. Like, even Sal, like, the, all the small people, Sal, the yeah. best friend at the beginning, he was like... Is your friend Salvador's phone number, wasn't it? He applied for this job, and Sal's like looking at him through the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. God, Terry Crews as the uncle though was killing me, and and how he comes in and he's just like, uh, I just uh, he's like, I gave you a car, man, and just like the car's a piece of shit. He's like, you want to walk? I'll take it back. You want to give it back? And then he goes, no. Um, oh god, I mean, every single performance in the it feels like it was a movie that the amount of time it took to make was 100% worth it because of everyone that they got in it. Well, and it's weird for me. Like this is the movie that took Tessa Thompson from a face I saw on Thor, Thor Ragnarok and made her a name. Yeah. Um, Lakeith Stanfield. I think this is kind of his star star making role with, despite some things like Lakeith Stanfield's personal life, we're not going to go into it, but uh, you know, I, powerful yeah. performer um s- s- star making for a lot of people i think mm-hmm. oh for sure for sure um and kind of with that i mean i think it's it's time to kind of get into some some final reviews for this film so aj um final thoughts where does this movie rank for you what what would you score this on if if you had a letterbox or if you do have a letterbox where would this this land in in your star ranking? <laughs> uh, three okay. and a half. <laughs> um, so that's kind of funny. Um, I, I I guess you know, after gushing about it so much, but you know there there's the the pacing the pacing issues that, that are present here. Um, the film has a deep, amazing message, wonderful performances. Um, it's I'm also going off of the original theatrical cut which the original theatrical cut are is what I've been watching. Are, are you familiar with the way this movie was originally? Ended? No, I don't think so. I watched whatever version of it is on so, Netflix. <laughs> so when his yeah. uh, nostrils flare up, like right before he turns into an Equisapien, you see Sorry to Bother You cuts to credits. Um, yeah. So the... From the credits, that's um, it. It still feels like the actual ending of the film was shoehorned in uh, with the the resolution with you know storming uh, uh-huh. <clears throat> Army Hammer and all that stuff. So it just it's very good. It's a wonderful movie. I won't call it a the uh, it, it's a B plus. You know, three yeah. stars is a B plus. I honestly, I think I'm. I'm right there with you. Um, I think it is a very well done film for what it is trying to portray. Um, kind of lost me though in that third act. Like I, it's just it is what it is. <laughs> the other thing that I that I like about it, and I'm and and a lot of people have have been saying this, especially people that we know. It's 112 minutes, so it's less than two hours. Um, and I think that's perfect. I think it doesn't need to be any longer. Doesn't really need to be any shorter. I've really been enjoying these quick watches, right? Cause like when I have, I'm about to have to make a mar like a, a, I got to carve out three hours of my day for the next movie that I have to watch. And with a lot of these, I'm going to have to have to schedule my day around watching them and I'm happy to do it. I'm excited. That's why I have a whole podcast. But like when I, the day that I watched the Godfather mm-hmm. part two, I took a PTO day from work cause I was just exhausted from work. And I watched the Godfather part two while baking cookies. Like I paused for an intermission to like pull cookies out of the oven because I knew it was going to be an all day event because <laughs> that's a four hour movie. Is it yeah. worth every minute of watching it? Yeah. But I'm more likely to, if you give me the Godfather part two, or sorry to bother you to go back and watch as like my only two options at the Airbnb I'm staying at, and I want to watch something, I'm going to choose sorry to bother you over Godfather part two, just for the sheer fact that it's shorter. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. You you hand me a 90 minute movie anymore, like, uh, oh, oh. People seem like they want the most minutes per movie ticket. 
I want to go to the theaters. Uh, my favorite experience in the theater was Pig yeah. last year. It was 90 minutes. Breezy. Well, not breezy. It's heavy, <laughs> but we're going to talk Pig later. Um, we'll put the one down the road. We're trying to have fun for the first few. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be... That's going to be the uh, one. By the way, oh, another quick question. Uh, how many How many oh. times in this movie did we get AJ tears? Did we get them at all? Um, definitely a few. Um the the Martin Luther King line gets me. It chokes me out. Um, the the other big one is the is the garage into the apartment scene. Um, I think I think it's mainly two. Okay, mainly those makes two. sense. I could see that. I could see, for for people who um, also don't know myself and AJ, um, we are known within our circle to be criers. literally blubbering blubbering messes um we tried to schedule a cry along and we we still need to and that will happen one of these days but um i got a lot of other movies to watch before i get to that (laughs) once you get like a hundred you want to say a hundred five star reviews we'll We'll, schedule it it. that's what we'll do that's exactly what we'll do um we'll schedule it. so yeah so with that you know i think like you said i'm right there with you three and a half stars up on letterboxd uh you can follow me on letterboxd at allison salamoni my first and last name um so with that being said aj where can these lovely people find you um so you can probably i mean wednesday nights what the show pod on on youtube live streaming and having some goofy nonsense going on uh twitter is at Lanca- Lancaster, like Burt Lancaster, L-A-N-C-A-S-T-E-R, underscore A-J, um, for more socio-communist uh, <laughs> dance, uh, that, that's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. And for all of you listening, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on. If you are listening to this on YouTube, please make sure to subscribe, like, and hit that little bell uh, in the bottom corner for notifications for any time we have new content drop here on Flick and Reel. You'll be the first to know. And also let me know your thoughts in the comments on Sorry to Bother You. What do you think? Do you think we rated it too low? Do you think it should be higher? Let me know how, how you feel about it. And leave me suggestions on what films you think you would like to see covered on You've Never Seen It. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Never Seen It, F, the letter N, R. And you can follow me, your host, Allison Salamone, on Twitter as well, at Allison Salamone. And until next time, my friends, be safe. And go watch the movies. <laughs>